So I just walked out and looked outside and I looked out at my car. I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> Your message, how the fuck is there milk? <laughs> <laughs> that was my exact attitude. Dylan e Joe, Padva laim, me vasha hasha se hashe Dylan e Joe. Welcome to the Dylan Joe Basement Podcast. We're your hosts, Basement Dylan and Comrade Joe. Privet, everybody. Spaceba for tuning in to another episode of the Dylan Joe Basement Podcast. We very much appreciate you tuning in today. What are we talking about today, comrade? Today, comrade, we are talking about abandoned Russian shit. <laughs> if humans have created things, Russia has abandoned them. And we're going to, going to inform you of multiple different pieces of abandoned Russian infrastructure as well as russian technology technology absolutely that's what we're talking about today folks i mean there's so much shit left behind from uh from russia over the years especially when they were the ussr and uh when you have the largest conglomeration of countries in the entire planet and if the thing falls apart a lot of pieces get left behind and uh no one wants to pick up that shit so that's a lot of what we're gonna be talking about today Yep, no one's picking it up. It's just staying there. A lot of times it'll go to a museum, a.k.a. a field full of other things. AK-47, you mean. Alan Klashnikov. Space shuttles, giant holes, fucking submarines, cities, nuclear shit, fucking you name it. It's fucking gone. It's just, or there, but it's not working. Still there. No one's <laughs> no one's keeping track of the shit. It's still up behind. I mean, you got the biggest country on the planet by a pretty big margin uh, is Russia. And they got plenty of room for this shit. So when we talk about Russia, Russia today and Russia of old is that that big piece that's in the uh, the only country we really consider is in two continents. It's in Northern Asia and also Northeastern Europe. But when we talk about Russia today, we're kind of using it simultaneously with the USSR, also known as the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, which started up in 1922 after the Russian Revolution. They wanted to take up the means of production to the workers. Didn't it work out perfectly that way? As you see, sometimes in history, things kind of get a little twisted. You get a couple of main uh, leaders who start making things red and changing ideas. Within that time period and post-World War II, it turned into this giant conglomeration of countries that were all under the same red umbrella, comrade. 
And uh, yeah, they, they not only countries that were in Eastern Europe, but also countries that were in Western Asia were involved there, consisting of 16 modern day nations altogether. They've been split up differently after the fall of the USSR. So they, they weren't actually the same name before and afterwards, but mostly made up of Lithuania, Georgia, Estonia, Latvia, Ukraine, Belarus, Moldova, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, Kazakhstan, famous made for Borat, Chechnya, famously for the Boston bomber was from, Armenia, famous for System of a Down, Azerbaijan, famous for currently invading Armenia under the guise of uh, helping them, and of course, the big daddy bear of them all, Russia which is still a very powerful nation that wants to get all those back, in my opinion. I know they don't say it publicly, but they would love to get them back. For example, recently in the past decade, invading Georgia again and also invading Ukraine and taking over Crimea again. So they are definitely not done holding on to their old uh, allies there or subjects, as it were. But in 1991, thanks to a large domino effect of all different kinds of things happening with a bit of cultures changing, uh, money running out and all different kinds of economic struggles, the USSR fell to pieces. And when it did, a lot of these states that we now know became independent in their own nations. And when that happens and the, the benefactor and the big daddy pulls out, it's not always a clean breakup and a lot of shit got left behind, whether it was, like you said, structures or vehicles or even whole villages and towns worth of people they get left behind and people don't want to clean up the pieces. There's no one to pay for it and there's no incentive to do it. And a lot of these countries are not very well off after the fall of the Republic, but um, they, uh, they end up being independent. So that's where we start our story here um, with all the shit that way they left behind. We're going to talk about today. Talk about today. Oh man, you mentioned Belarus. <laughs> I don't know why yeah. you said this or what comedian or joke or TV, but uh I am Olaf from Belarus. Uh, life was going okay till brother eaten by a wolf, and I get to move here to America. Like that's the type of things that you hear from people like nonchalant <laughs> yeah. brother eaten by a wolf. These just tough motherfuckers who just deal with war, cold, famine. <laughs> yeah, it's hard living. And they're just tough. I mean, like watch a documentary about the uh, old, the old Crandall plane behind me, aka the Caspian Sea Monster, and these pilots are just like just these like hard fucking men who drink a lot of vodka and like brightly lit fluorescent bulbs, like one room plate, like just, there's just ridiculous group of people. And I just, am, I, I've been fascinated by Russia since day one. I want to go there. Like, one of my cousins who's actually in the army. He, um, he took Russian forever. My aunt was in the NSA as a Russian linguist. So I have a good connection to, to Russian stuff. Interesting. It's fucking fascinating. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting uh, place all said and done. I'm not sure if I'm so inclined to go there like you are. I think I can put a pretty couple countries down on my list before I decide to go to Russia just because of a lot of the things mentioned above. But uh, it's definitely a fascinating place that I love to learn about and a lot of cool shit going on. Train for the Olympics at uh, what what uh, was was it Moscow? Where was the Sochi? Olympics? Sochi, yeah. Um, and. Uh, Everybody in the hotels had to worry about stray, just like stray fucking wolf dogs running around biting them. How fucking funny is that? Like, oh, we have this like amazing, we're like coming back. Multi-billion dollar investment. In yeah, investment, but they can't, they can't. Wild like, dogs. Dog, the dog problem. So you're like an American who's 18 years old and you're like this like 
shelter. Yeah, they were afraid they weren't going to have enough places that were fully heated and everything, even though it was. The, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, the bugs, the this, the that. There was all kinds of problems. Yeah. But that's kind of as we go through our tale today, that's kind of far for the course. As much as Russia has got a lot of a lot of money and a lot of bluster, they uh, like to cut a lot of corners when it comes to uh, the common man. And it makes for some harsh folks, and some harsh realities. Exactly. All for one for all one for all mentality doesn't usually uh, end up that everyone's lifted all together. It's everyone has to sacrifice together. Unlike a rising tide lifts all boats, but a sinking tide brings them all down, and a lot of people <laughs> got brought down. on my list here because it's just it's not the most impressive thing that we have here but don't suck either so so what we got here is the Karabul Maket the KM aka literally means ship prototype also colloquially known as the Caspian Sea Monster Caspian Sea Monster behind me right here if you can see this is the Caspian Sea Monster. Looks like a behemoth is, of a ship. Uh, <laughs> that's where you're half right. So the Caspian Sea Monster was an experimental ground effects vehicle, also known as an acranoplane, like EKR, whatever fuck. Plane. What does that mean? Um, what it means is that there's a certain threshold of efficiency that a let me move my, my, my thing over here so I don't keep looking in space. So mm. there's a threshold for efficiency in flight when you're close to the ground. So Okay, so low flying. Low flying using ground effects. So if you are an airplane and you have wings, because that's what an airplane has, um, and you're going close to the ground the air off of the airplane pushes back and you can almost if you do it right ah. it, it puts this like cushion of air that you kind of float on nice. and there's something again way above my pay level on, you know in my life but it also is more efficient to fly that way too mm. uh, it's like this weird efficiency thing so like they designed the Cranoplan, aka the this one specifically the caspian sea monster and there's a couple different models of them um as a uh, by the Central Hydrofoil Design Bureau in 1960s um, to transport cargo across the Caspian Sea. So it would fly efficiently at like 250 miles an hour, but some believe that it was tested up to four, close to 500. Um, 500 miles an hour within 30 feet of the ground. And so it's flying over the water. Is it able to land in the water too? Is that why? 100% that... land-based. I'm oh, sorry, water-based thing. So Gotcha. So it's basically like a super fast cargo ship. Instead mm -hmm. of uh, using a cargo ship or a jetliner, you could use like a, a hybrid of the two. Exactly. And um, up until I think it was 1988, this was the largest airplane in the world, heaviest airplane in the world. And I can't was... imagine what it surpassed it. That thing looks like a complete behemoth behind me. Look at all those uh turbines just on the one wing there or what used to be <laughs> yeah so um, or not on the wing rather on the side of the nose almost yeah they're they're up in the front there because it kind of like gotcha uh, you know with the water and whatever i don't know but like i don't really know why the design is the way it is exactly but um yeah massive giant tail um you know obviously the wings are just designed to push air down as best as possible typical airfoil and um 
Yeah, it was the largest and heaviest aircraft in the world from 1966 to 1988, and it was superseded by one of the coolest airplanes of all time. Guess what country it's from? Also Russia. Also Russia. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. What is it? Uh, the, uh, Antonov 225, mm. um, which is still in flight today, and every oh, now and then you'll see one in Bangor, Maine, because it's still used as it's a cargo plane. Wow. Um, there was a Antonov like 125 that landed at uh, Pease Air Force Base in New Hampshire last month that I just missed, um, but they're painted white and yellow, and the 225 has three engines on each side, um, mm. is bigger than a C5 Galaxy by like a, a good chunk. Um, and does that use the same method of travel? I can't go across the whole Atlantic flying that low, can it? Or does no, it? no, it's a jet. It's it's it, it, it it's a full jet airplane. Full function as the C five Galaxy does. Gotcha. It's just bigger, and, it, wow. and, and actually, it might have. We'll get into this, but it, it also ties into another piece of abandoned Russian stuff. Not an abandoned two two five, but an abandoned space shuttle. And mm. the Antonov two two five was very interesting, comrade. Also, the Caspian Sea is going to come up again. It's on the off the eastern uh, shore of Ukraine there, but it's actually completely landlocked, unlike other seas that are parts of the ocean that are named because of the land around them. The Caspian Sea is actually in the middle of the continent, so it, it's actually not um, open ocean. So it makes sense that you'd want to travel across it quickly rather than using the usual cargo ships. You don't want to have a, your entire fleet stacked in the middle of a admittedly very large body of water but nothing like the size of the atlantic ocean or pacific yeah exactly it's just a quick to and from like mm -hmm. perfect sense and um this was you know we had spies in russia in the 60s and 70s and whatever it is because we knew that something was going on here and we thought that this was much more threatening than it was so mm -hmm. the u.s was all over this damn thing trying to get you know spy photos of it and all that stuff. It certainly so, looks you know, fucking scary it looks terrifying and it's uh you know you could see it in like dry dock and they're like what on earth is that thing like probably thinking the thing's full of bombs and shit or whatever yeah else. yeah exactly Tanks. And, um and uh it, and it had some 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 good feats is that like it always flew under the altitude of detection from radar that's um, it i didn't even think about that when you mentioned its flying style that's a good move too. yeah so there's so being imagine this the biggest thing freaking you've ever seen going 400 miles an hour um which cruising more, absolutely max, cruising max speed, you'd be like that close to the to the ground you'd be like what on earth and like the the, the like it's just so weird like yeah you have to figure that, it's like, a it, doing this. you have to figure that if it counts i don't know what the technicality is but if you count it as a cargo ship it must be probably the fastest cargo ship of all time to be that going that fast over the water yeah. like any cargo ship now even the, the speediest ones in modern day would not go 500 miles an hour <laughs> Not, yeah no for sure they go more like four yeah yeah it's four to just 15 or something 30 they're massive i mean even the tinier ones can probably go faster um than that but they wouldn't even be able to break 100 <laughs> that, those big and fucking things boats barely break 100 because they just yeah and those are just made just to go fast so i mean yeah it's, it's, it's wild crazy. so two cool facts about this is that the first test flights were done by the by the designers which is not typically the way it goes in aviation. So reminds me of the Spruce Goose with Howard Hughes in that aspect. Hundred percent, very similar. Like they just said, "All right, well, we're going to give it a shot. We built it. Let's see what happens." And um, they didn't die. No you gotta happened. love that though. The guy who designed it, to trying to test pilot it. That means you got faith in your design, and also you're not putting other people at risk for your yeah. plans. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. So that's pretty cool. And second, so as of 2020, I can't get any more record. This sat still sitting. Um, 
in uh well i mean made it this far i can't imagine they scrapped it unless they had a lot of time during the coronavirus different ones and some of one of them crashed um and is at the bottom of the ocean um and they realized we just can't get it (laughs) it's nuts not no way it's like pulling up the titanic i was just gonna say why don't you yank the titanic out while you're down there exactly so they're like all right well that's where that's gonna go um just stay then um it's it's in some sort of like a dry dock we'll pull up some pictures here and joe i'll send you links all the stuff so you don't have to google like the fucking name of this thing um uh it's in some sort of a dry dock looking abandoned shithole um fucking port thing like it's just it's just it's just something that people have to like work around it's not it's not a field. It's not somewhere convenient. It's just like this is something that is. It's here. a monolith now. It's part never of the going, It's a monolith. It's never going anywhere. This is where where we're at here. So that's last I knew of it in twenty twenty. It was sitting in some fucking dock somewhere. Um, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well. So love that thing. Um, and uh, they 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 had like a, a successor to this that was called the the Loon class Acronoplan, also called Project Dino Three that they used all the way through the 90s. Wow. So this thing wasn't really a failure. It was a complete success. No. It's just as soon as the thing is out of commission, the best thing to do with it is just let it let it reside where it dies, I guess. Yeah. No, yeah, for real. And like it's it, like we said, there's an efficient, the, the whole point of it is there's a couple of things, but the main thing is it's more, it's a cheaper way to get shit somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. It's more efficient at a certain speed uh, on gas and that type of stuff. So yeah yeah uh yeah one of them's just laying the one that we're looking at right behind me mm. um it was built in 1975 and it just sits right there right off the shore of the city of derbent that so if cool anyone's around derbent in the near future taking a you know your spirit flight out to fucking russia um, <laughs> <laughs> i can't imagine if you're in derbent that you wouldn't want to go see this thing it might be the only tourist attraction in town Besides a local pub. Yeah. I mean, if there's things like this there, just keep your eyes fucking open because there's probably something else. And if we're looking at big shit that's abandoned, imagine the small weird things that you see, like oh yeah, nuclear-powered fucking lawnmowers or something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> but, Be safe. But, Bring a Geiger counter with you. Yeah, seriously. Um, but the cool thing is, man, I don't know. It looks like a nice beach to me, and that that's always cool. You're sitting in your beach chair just, like, just chilling yeah, in really the cool sun. That'd be really cool watching the girls and fucking others and submarine surfacing. And then there's just <laughs> this thing. It's the shit. Good time. I think it's cool. I hope to go to Japan sometime just to go see this. Absolutely. The first on my list is also a, uh, a maritime uh, vehicle. This one's actually a, a whaling schooner. We're going to go from the Western side of the continent all the way across to the far Eastern side of it on almost the most Eastern part of Russia to the point where you can almost see uh, Alaska over here. This is off of the peninsula called Kamchatka. So that's basically the part that's right north of Japan, which is a, a, basically a really good whaling port during the, the golden age of whaling before we purged the seas of all of our water allies there, the whales. Um, a lot of places have made it illegal to go whaling now, which tanked a lot of the whaling industry and a lot of... Um, yeah, I know. I'm totally okay with it. <laughs> but a lot of uh, it's been going that way. So this is actually um, a ship that was beached on the bay and the Sea of Otosk, which is that sea that's in between Japan and Russia there, that peninsula. So there's a big old schooner that's been beached up 
along that peninsula since that time, way back when whaling was a huge part of the market share. And it was surrounded by a bunch of villages that basically sustained themselves by the whaling trade and uh, harvesting whales for all, all the goods that they're available for. But when that dried up, so did that peninsula. And most of the villages around there are completely abandoned, along with any want or need to pull up this schooner. So this thing, we'll bring the picture up. It's just sitting there on the side rusting. It's big massive boat just on a beach and it's never going to be moved ever it's just been sitting there for god knows how long god that's cool and there it shall remain so this one not exactly lined up with uh, any ussr related events but um more about the whaling industry going downhill and therefore anything left behind is going to stay there especially a giant ship that's beached Gotta love those giant ships that are beached. I've seen some pretty cool ones too, where they um, they uh, end up turning them into like floating islands. So that'd like, be cool. This one to... looks like you had you get a tetanus shot just to look at it. It looks like really rusted up piece yep. of shit. Love that. That's one of my favorite things. Really oh yeah, that that seawater can't be doing much good for it at this point either. Spraying up against there for decades upon decades. Yep. Cool looking though from the outside perspective. Yeah, I can't wait to take a look at it. Sometimes when I reflect on episodes before I have to record them for our podcasts, I come up here with a bee hoppy. Makes the experience hoppier. Brought to you by our sponsors, Wormtown Brewery. topic of discussion is the Baran project. Mm, never heard right. of it. Possibly the most expensive abandoned shit on the menu today. Oh boy. <laughs> Sounds this delicious. Is, this is the that's right. This yummy 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 abandoned Baran project. Space shuttles, multiple of them abandoned fucking just sitting there. Holy so, shit, the Soviet space program. Soviet space program and the Baran project specifically was by far their um, most expensive uh, space project past the, you know, the um, Sputnik wasn't shit compared to this. Like wow. this is, this is serious. So, and this, there, this particular part of the space race was obviously um, for it's, it was from like the seventies to the early nineties, basically mm-hmm. till everything we talk about. Was. Till, till they ran out of cash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Till they literally ran out of gas. <laughs> wow. um, so, um, the, the craziest thing is that, so like they knew that we, so Russia as always goes us, the United States is winning the space race and the, the, they care about this. They race. were off to a good start though, getting the first man yeah, in space way. and the first, uh, orbiting spacecraft. I mean, they were, had a good head start there, but then the U S just started running haymakers for the next 10 years. And it started yep. to look bad after that. Yep, exactly. So Russia decides to make it about, uh, uh national security and they realize the u.s is going to be able to have weapons in space and they're going to use them against russia and the whole usual set of bullshit so we're still worried about that sort of thing today so it makes sense yeah exactly they create the brand project um to create multiple space shuttles that look just like the ones that we use Mm -hmm. except they they have a bear on the side and they have the hammer and sickle and the nose cone exactly um (laughs) 
So yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so you know the usual ones. It's the um, you know the ones with the tiles on the outside, like the Challenger, like that. It's the same, like that type of space. Yeah, the heat resistant tiles. And yeah, they look just like that, and um, and they decided that the goal of these was to have a thirty ton payload to orbit capacity, and most significantly, a fifteen ton payload return capacity. And what that means is this Hell was yeah. a clear indication that this gets crazy that its main objective would be to place massive lasers, laser weapons into orbit so they could destroy U.S. missiles um, from a distance of, uh, you know, from space. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Yeah. So if you look at them, just like ours, the the, the, the back opens up like this and shit mm -hmm. has to come out of it. And then a fucking death ray comes out the back of fucking it. Death, space death laser comes out of it. <laughs> so, um, so you got to think there's no... Besides nuclear technology, there is no finer level of technological advancements going on at that time besides putting lasers into space from space shuttles. And now if that's you, the height of modernization right there. That's yeah. sci-fi shit, but it really happened. Yep. So that's the background of the Baran project. And if you have a massive pair of fucking balls, you can go to Kazakhstan and <laughs> because as we know, Kazakhstan, Their home country. Uh Kazakhstan is um is where the space shuttle lands because it's just no fucking nothing. It's like nothing there. Country. You can just so much room to land. It's so much room to land, and it's kind of like how ours land in Florida. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's where the launch is from. Okay. Um, and um, Kazakhstan is. It doesn't make sense to me because I'm just just not. Uh, I don't. There's a certain level of understanding that I don't have, but Kazakhstan is in like the perfect location to make it easier to get in to get into space and out of space. It's like interesting. I don't even know. Like a soccer ball has a certain point. That's just gravity. I don't fucking the, the mm -hmm. orbit transfers. It just makes the whole thing easier or something. I don't know. But anyway, so Kazakhstan's a good place. Come on, Dylan. This isn't rocket science. What don't you get about it? <laughs> it's that brain surgery. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So it's uh, it's this set of hangars that is still part of a military base in Kazakhstan. Mm-hmm. But, so you can't actually go visit unless you're real sneaky. Uh, they didn't say it was illegal on the thing that I watched. And there's a group of guys in their 30s and 20s who like just got in a car and drove for days, went camping, had some weird experiences. Oh, nice. Um, and uh, and slept inside of the hangar with the space shuttle. So um, okay, so yeah, yeah. I'm just, I guess if you're dedicated, you more than enough uh, time on your hands, you can definitely go see that. That sounds awesome. They just climb into it and start just like checking shit out. It's crazy. So the interesting thing is because of, you know, the fall of the Soviet Union, only one of them actually flew. And only really? one of them actually went to space. So the ones that are abandoned in these hangars are like 70% complete. So they're missing something. But they still, they're still there, the actual shuttles themselves. I thought it was just the hangars left behind, but there's, there's partial shuttles there too. Oh, yeah, they look like full shuttles. I mean, there's Holy shit. crazy. And one of them actually is at a... Uh, it's it's I think it might be the same town that the um, uh, that Borat grew up in. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, the, specifically, the the Baran K one orbiter. No, no, sorry. Um, I'll get to that in a second. There's another one that's not in a hangar, but it's sitting at a like kids' fucking play park. Nice. Like, Let the kids the play. Side. You mm -hmm. can see it from the water where I believe this is located. So like down the fucking street a bit is this, and then there's one of the space shuttles just in like a like a, there's like a roller coaster and then there's like a space shuttle sweet 
and it's like, not, like just like just like that just like all the abandoned airplanes submarines fucking your boat whatever it is they all are like just, just they just there. park them they don't know there's no there's no committee to preserve history they're just getting rained on and fucking mm-hmm. you shit. can go see it but we're not gonna make it any easier for you it's just, nope. just there yeah, so it's probably still just fucking have at it if you want to make the trek. If you yeah, want exactly. to drive for three days across Kazakhstan just to go see that shit, I think that you deserve to see it at that point. Yeah, they'll probably send a wolf to go fucking bite your penis off if you. <laughs> Wolverine like, is guarding it, living there. Yeah, yeah, inside like the fucking. Basically harmed if you t- if you fuck it up, but that's mm-hmm. about it for 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 preservation. So anyway, so there's one in a park again, I believe, in this town, and then the the Baran K1 orbiter um is gone and i don't know why it's gone well i don't know like why they couldn't have just left it fucked up so mm-hmm. um it was uh it, it was actually the only one that went to space and it was unmanned so it did go to space with no humans on it interesting and, and, then and i'm guessing there's no lasers left behind there at that point they're just the shuttles <laughs> right i don't i didn't I don't, I didn't see any evidence of lasers when I was uh, watching these videos. Yeah, they but, probably uh, they probably would put those in last because it's sensitive information to be able to de. Uh, yeah. What do you call that? Reverse engineer the lasers. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Um, so so oh, I, I was wrong. The um, the one in the the amusement park um, is at the Gorky Park in Moscow. If Gorky you're there. Park. So they they actually did take that one and they said this one is a good one. We're bringing it back. Yeah, it's still fucked up and faded and stuff but it's at gorky park in moscow you can go check that out so um that one might be a little bit easier to see than going into kazakhstan but i think so moscow is definitely a little easier than you can land a plane in moscow i know that much that's true you could you could today probably go to moscow i'm certain Mm -hmm. yeah well uh, i don't know about today just because uh coronavirus but any other day for sure they'd let you in yeah so um so my whole point is that the, oh yeah, so it's sad, sad news. The Baran K-1 orbiter um, uh, in 1989 was, it took place in the Paris air show. Um, really? Yeah. They put, as mentioned earlier, because I'm going full circle, the Antonov AN-225 um, carrier. Cargo plane. So the, the giant cargo plane strapped on the K-1 to the back of it. Yeah, great success. Uh, great success. Very very nice. Very nice. Very big. <laughs> so it was a strap-on space shuttle on the back of Sexiest the largest airplane fuck. in the world, and they flew at the Paris Air Show. How could they ever get that thing out? Is it one of those things we talked about in the past? Like, how is that thing getting off the ground? Science is amazing. I don't understand. They do it with a seven. Like flying a fucking skyscraper. It's unbelievable. Uh, I don't understand. I mean, we, our, we did the same shit, too, with the 747. We had a yeah oh yeah i've seen that yeah yeah so so that was the last time it actually flew around and then they had it at a um uh uh it was uh in a in a hangar at uh baiknor cosmodrome in kazakhstan and um the cosmodrome yep and uh and as always it was suspended due to a lack of funds and the political situation wasn't great um it was, uh, yeah, in, um, I think it was 2002. Yep, it was on May 12th, 2002. Uh, the roof uh, of the uh, Cosmodrome collapsed because of a structural failure because it wasn't maintained. And um, 
Probably wasn't the best original design either. Probably made to be uh, something, yeah. Single use pony there. German reinforced concrete here that still stands. We're of course, about- you got you have to maintain any old building, but uh, a lot of these Soviet time buildings were not exactly made with the intention of lasting for a hundred plus years and looking beautiful. Just yeah. get the thing up there. If it's up, it's up. Yep. We'll worry about that shit later, or we won't. Yep. Yep. So it killed eight workers and destroyed the K one. Oh man, I know there are people in there when it happened. That's, yeah, that's bummer. Awful. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no one's gone. So the only one that actually went to space was uh, Toast. And I don't know like how you dispose of that now. I think they would just go, well, it collapsed. And, uh, <laughs> if we're learning anything about this, yeah. they probably just fucking left it there with all the bodies in there. I would think, yeah. Just like now, like, what do you, how do you, how do you get rid of a like dismantling that? Like I saw, yeah, like, it would like, be very expensive project. It takes like years. Yeah, it would, would take forever. Burner, you know, like but instead, they just they just say, "Yeah, uh, fucking leave it." Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So there are space shuttles in Russia, and as we mentioned, one in Moscow. Um, but specifically, wow. the crazy shit you can go jump all over is in Kazakhstan. And yeah, I think even wilder in the story is that they weren't built just to go, um, you know bringing up things to the international space station they're built to drop lasers off in orbit and shoot down icbms so that's some wild shit yeah exactly that is wild shit who would have thought that we'd be such good pals now that we all hang out on the iss together russians and americans alike you know surely crazy smiling wave boys (laughs) oh it goes uh my uh my next one on the list is actually um our first uh building besides the cosmodrome which is the coolest name for a building i've heard before um this one's a torpedo testing facility and it actually looks almost like an oil derrick because it's out on the caspian sea it's completely surrounded by water but it's this giant structure with a big tower on it bring a picture here and they used it to test uh torpedo designs during the uh the cold war essentially and uh like we already spoke about the caspian sea earlier it's um east of ukraine there and uh you know they're probably flying this the uh the caspian sea monster by this torpedo center during the time when they were using it and shipping across the sea um and much like the rest of the things on our on our list here uh when the ussr fell there was no need to maintain this facility anymore i'm sure that they still do have plenty of russian torpedo testing now they do it at a different location, though, since the uh, the facility was technically in Dagestan, which is in modern day Ukraine, which technically is not Russian territory. So they're not allowed to be on there unless they need something like a warm water port. And then they just invade and they take the flags off of their uniforms and do that like they did a couple of years ago. So I'm sure if they wanted to go check out the torpedo testing facility out there on the Caspian Sea, they could still do it. But I'm sure they stripped it of all valuables uh, well before they abandoned it. And now it is just a giant uh, structure in the middle of an otherwise untouched sea. And uh, much like the rest of the things we talked about and like the Caspian Sea monster, they left it there. And there's no way Ukraine's going to pay to get it taken down. It's just going to be there until it crumbles into the to the sea floor. Or, you know, maybe people uh, go Metal Gear Solid 5 and take it over as a start of a international organization use it as a staging operating area i don't know example of all time is that because that's exactly (laughs) what it looks like that's what i'm thinking yeah right so that that's that's my uh, second one on the list there is that i thought that was interesting because you know not only is it a freestanding structure in the middle of a 
basically a miniature ocean, but it's uh, used to be used for torpedo testing and whatever else they could do out there in the ocean. But again, no one's using it now. If you want to go visit that, it might be a little bit more difficult than visiting uh, the park with the shuttle on it, but it might be just as difficult as figuring out where the hell in Kazakhstan the Cosmodrome used to be. So who knows? <laughs> Yeah, or you know, you could say as, a, as an opportunity to turn to an Airbnb, so so people can go pay a lot of money to go have sex and drink shitty coffee there, or whatever. There is, you know, there is a place like that. I do. There was a. It's off the coast of like. It's like uh, Carolina, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's like a it's an old um like oil place or something. Yeah, they converted it and it has a helicopter landing pad on it, yeah. and like that's how you get there. I mean, that's really cool. People like just shoot guns off the side of it and yeah. shit. Cause like, yeah, no one just, gets a fuck. yeah, just guns, golf balls, like whatever. Yeah. Just, like, shooting guns. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I would like it that much to spend a weekend there. Cause at some point you feel like you just, you just kind of trapped on like a, basically it's not really a fancy hotel. It's just an oil uh, platform with beds in it, but it'd be cool to go there for like, I'd spend a day there. That'd be really cool to visit it. Yeah, I know. It'd be cool. And like sleeping at night would be so eerie and weird. And you're like really high up. And if you fell down, you'd die. Possibly. You would, would die. Yeah. In different ways, either just from the impact or from the fact that now you're in the middle of the fucking ocean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is pretty isolated too. It's not like they can, they can just come and get you. If you have a medical emergency, they have to fly you out in a helicopter. So not good luck with that. If anyone fucks up using a gun, which there's pretty likely out there when people are getting drunk as fucking shooting off the side. Well, that's of what I'm saying is like, you're wasted and you're like, I just going to throw up off the edge. And then all of a sudden it's no. And then you're off the edge. Black, black abyss. Yeah, exactly. And uh, obviously, if a hurricane was coming through, I wouldn't want to go visit that either. That's not where you want to be stuck. Terrifying. But uh, yeah, that's the uh, the torpedo testing facility outside of Dagestan. What's going on, cool cats? Tis the season to enjoy a little bit of the countryside. When I'm enjoying the countryside, I can't think of one thing better to pop into my gullet than New England's best IPA, courtesy of Wormtown Brewery. Don't worry. Why you worried? Be happy. Uh, so my, my next on my list is the, uh, it, it, this is cool for, for like one reason, I mean, a million reasons, but um, it's actually at, uh, it's called the, Mia Sechev M50, and the Mia Sage Mia Mia Sechev Mia Sechev M50 um, was a heavy Russian Soviet prototype four-jet engine supersonic strategic bomber, similar Ooh. to the shape—not really the shape, but it's a mix between a uh, like XB70. There it I'll is. Three, a couple pictures. Yeah, really, really sleek fucking thing. Um, another Russian bomber that that um, resembled the Concorde in the way that. The yeah, it's uh, it's it's supersonic and has that like, mm -hmm. uh, that nose shape like the Concorde. Nose moving thing, um, and this never. It was the same thing. This is a, a not the same thing. This is a prototype, and it wasn't. It just it's a. It looks like a. Uh, a giant harpoon like it's a massive bomber it's big oh. it went 1200 miles an hour and had a range of 4,000 miles so that's a big that's a big range high. for something that big and fast well you got to think too like so the whole purpose of these is that if they're stationed on the west coast um of russia you know they're within 30 minutes to alaska 
but they could bomb New York City. You mean the, uh, that would be the east coast of Russia. It's the west coast of America, weirdly enough. Because for us, yeah, that's east always coast, west. Sorry, yep, east coast of Russia. Um, they're, they're, they're so close to Alaska that one, they can bomb Alaska with a fire jet too. Yeah. Um, yeah, they don't even need that much range to do that. Um, they could. They, I mean, that bomber could, yeah, they could go down and bomb Los Angeles for that, oh, yeah, in that range. Even Boston, New York City, you name it, SM50, 4,000 miles range, you got this. Like, You're right. Um, no problem. And it's going in supersonic until it drops its payload. And um, and the, the crazy thing about this airplane is... <laughs> it's supersonic until it drops its payload. And then it just kind of cruises back like, ah, job done. Like, fuck you. You got out here in a hurry to start killing people. Now you're going to cruise your way back. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind uh, of to conserve fuel, I imagine, is why they, they designed like that, right? To drop it subsonic. And the return flight is also supersonic? Probably. Oh, I see what you're saying. I thought I thought they were going to go supersonic, go subsonic to drop the payload and then cruise back at subsonic speeds. So <laughs> you're going to get shot down on your way back. The that's thing the case. The right? efficiency and like air, air speed is that there's like, um, uh, I forget the word for it, but it's um, to like hypersonic, supersonic, and then there's a subsonic range, but then there's like a certain window of like 100 miles an hour where it's the most inefficient area for an airplane to fly. Really? Like right before the sound barrier. And then after this, you crack through the sound barrier. And after that, um, it, 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 the airflow changes, the whatever it is, the airplane, like the, like the SR-71, was a dog piece of shit under 800 miles an hour. Like it burned fuel, leaked fuel. Like it was a nasty nightmare of crap and it flew like shit too. Like it was yeah. like this big- Yeah, you just had to go super fast for it to become efficient. But thousand miles an hour, it's like everything's mint. That's um, so weird. It's getting better fuel efficiency. It's like all this crazy shit. Cause a lot of ways that the engine works is like they have ramjets too. That's a whole nother conversation. Ramjets are a different conversation. Sure. It's, it doesn't even, the airplane- So what happened to this one? Yeah. So. Um, uh, it just, uh, it had some, the usual things, problems, blah, blah. I don't, I don't even know. It just, it just never made it to full production. Um, gotcha. but it was, it had test flights. It had the usual things. It's just sitting in a field with another bunch of like airplanes that don't work. Wow. Walk right up to it. But the coolest part about this one is that in the 19th, December 1st, 1958 issue of Aviation Week, mm-hmm. um, there was an article about Soviet flights flight testing nuclear bomber. So the the US thought that this was nuclear powered. They didn't think that it was gas powered. So really? aviation week. So by that, nuclear bomber, they don't mean the payload, they mean the actual engine. Yeah. It's oh. a forever flying bomber. That's That'd what they thought. Terrifying. Yeah, which does exist. Um and it's sitting probably sitting in the field somewhere too. Uh, I was going to say, I didn't know that we had any of that. Obviously, that's how, that's how we utilized uh, submarines and aircraft carriers now, but I'd never heard of a, an actual plane doing that. So I got to do more research on an actual plane, but I know that there's a missile called the Harpoon, I believe, um, the like Russian Harpoon, and it's a forever flying nuclear-powered nuclear missile bomb that as it's flying, um, because it's 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 releasing particle like radioactive particles. So it circles a city and kills them by just existing. And That's then horrifying. eventually if it do- and it will go forever until something happens to it. And if it does crash, it blows up and it's, nu- it's like a nuclear bomb. That's so fucked up. Another thing. But anyways, the, the crazy thing is that, that I like this airplane about is that the Americans thought that and it was in magazines that this thing is, is a nuclear powered bomber that wow. drops nuclear bombs. Interesting speculation. And that's just sitting there. 
That's another crazy thing that I just be sitting there out in the field. You can go check it, check it out now. Yep. Again, I imagine just more efficient and less expensive to fucking just leave it there than to dismantle the entire thing and recycle the parts or put them in a museum or something. Yep. Yep. That just seems to be the, just the way of things and the USSR there. Yep. Just put them there. So what do you got in store? Uh, next, I have the, the oldest abandoned uh thing that we've talked about so far and that's the Terraburka ship graveyard which is actually located northeast of finland which puts it squarely in the arctic circle so this particular area is up in the arctic sea 10 months out of the year it's in complete freezing cold arctic conditions um, two months out of the year is what you'd consider almost like a Russian spring. I see that their record high temperature in July was 53 degrees Fahrenheit. So that's the hottest it's ever been in that particular area. Rest of the year, it's below freezing all year round. Um, you can see the Northern Lights there. I see it. So some people in that area would, would you know, usually travel to Finland or Norway to see that. But it's the same kind of area there, north as you can go. Uh, but this place used to be uh, a fishery and a fishing wharf back in the day in the 1600s and 1700s. So they have all these wooden schooners and ships we talked about in the past out there, fishing and bringing it in, bringing the economy out there. Um, different times in history, this actually would have belonged to uh, Finland because it's almost part of the same peninsula there in the northeast corner. But you know how Russia's always button heads with that part of the world as well. And it's actually a lot larger. I'll bring up the map of this area too than you would think that whole area. It's uh, I always picture it as like a couple of little fingers coming across in Scandinavia, but they're just massive. And this whole area is like a whole block that could be its own country, but it's just one of Russia's far reaching arms. Much like the whaling situation there, the, the fishing business was not the booming. And as the economy went down, um, all these fishing boats went out of business. And as they wrecked on the shoreline or as they were not maintained, they left them there. So there's dozens of old wooden ships all in this harbor, what they call the ship graveyard. So unlike the more modern things that are rusting away, these are wooden shipwrecks that are all along the shore. You can go there. They have a hotel in the area. So the town itself still exists, but say it again with me, after the fall of the Soviet Union, most of the economy tanked and all this, all the people moved out of the area. So if you're going to that area, you're there to see the ship graveyard that's basically all you're going there for um but you can still go that i know for sure you can there's still a tourist destination if you want to drive half a day out of any way of anything there you can be more than welcome to see that and i would suggest going on the time of the year that you can see the northern lights because that's going to be uh what would be actually be worth going to this is going to be not as impressive as that but it's still there if you want to see a bunch of old talk ships. so much fucking shit about the ship graveyard man <laughs> i'm just i'm sorry <laughs> It is cool. It's it is like cool. not that great. The Northern Lights are better. Well, I'm just saying, if you're going to drive for 12 hours out of your way, you better be going and see the Northern Lights. This will be a good like uh, side dish while you're there, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, and they're still there. Again, ringing the same bell over and over again. But they just figured these are all old shipwrecks. It's cool to still see them there. And why the fuck are we tearing them out of their water? There's just tons and tons of them there. And uh, better to have the one reason for people to go visit uh, Tiburka. <laughs> And there you go, the ship graveyard. So even though it's the oldest uh, abandoned thing we had so far, it was still viable until uh, the fall of the Soviet Union. And now the town's not not a whole lot of its former self, but the ships are uh, 
old wooden fishing boats from back in the day. And uh, you can also go there for the fish. Of course, I'm sure the fish, if anything, there's probably more fish than ever now that the fishing's all dead. Or maybe um, people don't, maybe they perhaps think that the fish quality in Russia is, the food is, uh, the fish are drinking the same water that this is drinking, so... (laughs) <laughs> no, no, I don't think it counts because it, it is actually attached to the ocean, this part. It's not just the Caspian Sea. So a little bit of circulation there in the Arctic oh, sorry. Ocean. A better. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't hear what you're saying. I think mean, once it makes it to market and they package it in whatever weird gelatin mold they pack it into, I wouldn't want to have it. But freshly caught, I think I, I would be all right to try on, yeah. on the shoreline there. I mean, if you caught, if you caught it yourself, you go from uh, farm to table, as it were, with your, with your own pole, I'd be, I'd be okay with that. Beyond that, though, I don't know. I mean, uh, just saying, um, you know, the northern island that that runs parallel to the whole fucking country of Russia um, called Sarniev Island is where they did they tested all the nuclear bombs, including the Tsar Bomba. Absolutely. Um, so clear. that, you know, where those particles are going. <laughs> going to the fish. It's true. It's true. So, They're swimming them right in, up in their gills. All nice uh, radioactivity. Yeah, yeah, so, blowing up all these fish with nuclear bombs and then you get to have oh, your nice fish and chips uh with a side of french fries that's uh a extra scary. isotopes um, yeah yeah right so um that's fascinating there's I've that got a, i've got a, i have one more just to heads up for you yeah yeah we can each we can each throw in one more that's pretty much all i got i mean i got i i think i got an honorable mention um as a as a second more because my other ones are just other airplanes and there's a fuck about oh, drop a beer um didn't drop a beer um that no one like just some good cool save shit. he would never drop a bee hoppy obviously he caught it. i didn't i saved it um always good save um good fucking afternoon guys today's episode is brought to you by bee hoppy yeah besides a lot of submarines the biggest diesel sub in the world just sitting in a fucking field somewhere some cool fighter jets are just all over the fucking place. Um, but and, a lot of uh, submarines is crazy too. That's a massive, super important military technology. Just fucking. Just sitting there. They're in some of them are in like this weird dry dock thing. Like, yeah, I'm just skimming these because I don't need to spend time on them. Mm-hmm. But, I still, um, I'm still glad you mentioned it though. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Oh yeah, uh, like I'd say like a borderline of close to 100 submarines are just sitting around like in scrapyards. Um, one of them is it's the biggest diesel submarine ever. It's gigantic. Um, mm-hmm. It's just in a field. It's not even on like a. It's not even on a fucking um, like pallet. Like it's like it's in it's the just grass on grass. Like it's just like <laughs> put it on the grass. Just dropped it off. The rocks at it. Pretty cool. Um, wow. Oh yeah, like that one's super super cool. And that one that one specifically pull it up just because we have mentioned it. It's called Project Three Hundred Seven B Six Four One B, also known as the Catfish, biggest diesel submarine ever ever made um catfish uh yep the catfish um and it actually is at the uh Avtovaz, which is a large technical museum aka a field um, <laughs> <laughs> it's so large you can't even see the roof yep yep yeah exactly yep this is the museum um and uh and uh it was in a movie called peculiarities of national fishing if you ever want to watch that russian movie um so anyways, my sounds name. great. Can't wait to sign up for that one. Is that on Netflix yet? Yeah, we'll find out. Nick, Nick Flick. <laughs> um, Netflix. Netflix. Uh, Netflix. Yeah, we'll, probably add, uh, 
check to check that out. Um, um, pretty cool. Uh, yeah, and it was made in 1980, so it's not like it's that old. Anyways, no. um, my next thing is is uh, I don't know if it's more interesting, but it's called the Cola Super Deep Borehole, and it's abandoned. <laughs> Ooh, I think I came across this when I was looking at mine. I'm glad you yeah. brought it up. Yep. So deep in Western Russia, if you know where to look, um, you'll find a shithole um, that has. <laughs> it sounds like the beginning of a nursery rhyme. Deep in Western Russia, if you know just where to look, you'll find a shithole. And then you'll find 20 more when you get to Moscow. Sorry, go ahead. Exactly. And by shithole, I mean a small collection of scrap metal and crumpled concrete. It doesn't really get worse than that. Like it's just it's not the dumb rubble. It looks like a, a heap of an exploded building. Yeah, like imagine like 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 a junkyard for cars, but like behind the junkyard, like there's always an area of just like metal. I don't yeah, know. Like, it's just whatever scrap, bits and pieces like of stuff. Whatever. Like that's pretty much what they're describing to me. Hell yeah. Um, and then in that pile of shit, there's a um, a uh, I'd say like a two foot in diameter. A circle piece of metal like the end of a pipe that has a bunch of bolts holding it on and um, you take the cap off that uh, pipe and it goes down 12 kilometers holy and shit it is the deepest hole in the world man-made yeah that is massive 12 kilometers is deeper than the marianas trench from <laughs> the surface um it is uh it was drilled in the 70s and guess why they drilled it uh, they're trying to, to steal the core of the earth and using some kind of super weapon. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, they were trying to uh, drill down to America to, to be able to drop nuclear bombs. Better. Yeah, yeah, they drop it from the bottom. They'll never see it coming. They'll be watching the skies, yeah, but we comes up, come from underneath. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it comes out of the ground. Yeah, the mole people are going to bomb you. Yeah. I wouldn't put it past them to design something like that, honestly. It sounds crazy, but so make, does everything else. It makes sense. No one's going to, you know. Mm-hmm. Seriously. I mean, the only hitch is that it's going to take a lot more than 12 kilometers to make it to the other side. <laughs> it's going to be impossible to do. But besides that, it's a good, good, start. good starting point. It's a good start. Um, no, it was drilled in the 70s just to find out more about the crust. There wow, that's that's interesting. I mean, that's probably the, the, the most we ever know. How could else could you find? I mean, obviously now we have other examples of erosions. So we can see what it might look like underneath. We have ground penetrating radar. We have ways to test it and shit like that. But what better way than to actually just drill down and be like, what the fuck is down there? And see how far we can go. Which gets increasingly more and more difficult the farther you go down. Obviously, yeah, exactly. Um, so, what do you keep? What do they do? Like, just keep adding the end of the drill and just keep pushing it down and down and down. That's crazy. I, mean, I don't know if you're watching the Curse of Oak Island, but that's what they do. And then they just keep adding this. They're like oil drinking plat, oil digging platforms. That's what they do. Yeah. And they got to seven point five six four five four three one miles by doing that thing, Damn. and at the bottom of that almost seven and a half miles um they found water water that far down damn damn Weird. just hanging out down there just hanging not so, going anywhere uh yep so if you're ever in deep western russia and you know where to look go check out the cola super deep borehole looks like pipe. be careful <laughs> not to fall in you'll never get out yep yep no one's getting you <laughs> If you fall out in a 100-foot well in Russia, this coin toss if they're going to get you out or not. If you fall down a 12-kilometer deep drill site, good night, nurse. Good night.
good night. Thank you better you. hope you can make it to the bottom, though. If you get stuck halfway, that's going to be a rough way to go. Yep. Yes. Just tuck in your arms and legs like you're on a water slide and just let it rip. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And just keep, keep going. I mean, that's going to be the, the biggest suicide jump you could possibly do. Seven-mile jump. Where else can you jump from seven miles high? Nowhere. There's not even a mile-high building, really. Is there? A mile high? I don't think there's any. So you have to go to, to um, a mountain I hate to get that high up. And uh, I can't imagine being on an elevator for a mile. <laughs> Sounds awesome. A mile on an elevator? Yeah, it would take forever and no, also thanks. be terrifying. Yeah, terrifying. Um, the, a side note, I was watching a documentary and it was in Australia or something. And they got uh, a lot of, um, it's relevant to holes. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, understanding of uh, it had something to do with Neanderthals because they found Neanderthal bones down there that were older than what we previously thought. Hmm. And it's just this giant hole in the woods that animals and former humans fell into. So it's just a collection of bones. So they're like, holy shit, there's this hole that just animals are going and they go, woo, they're down. And then it's a collection of all the unfortunate souls who uh, fell in. Exactly. And there's like thousands of them in there over the past, you know, you know 15,000 years. Just at least one a day is going down there so it's just like this just bones everywhere that's horrifying but that was a pretty cool way to they're like yeah we got some species we never even knew about because they just fell in this hole and then were preserved that's so cool it's like a an old trap door yeah, but it's like earth's trap of like yeah earth trap door like letting people know these things used to exist so that's crazy yes yeah, so i just looked up the uh the, so the burj khalifa is the tallest building i i knew i couldn't remember the name of it but that is um, 2,700 feet, so that's about uh, a half a mile only, and that's the tallest skyscraper in the world by a large margin. So, I mean, that's half of a one mile, and then multiply that by 14. <laughs> that's what you're talking about for the drill site? It's a deep hole. Yeah, that's a deep hole, man. Real Jesus. deep. I'm sure it's plenty dark, too. After, you know, 100 feet, it'd be tough to see any light coming in at all. So then you get, <laughs> you get seven more miles to go to the bottom yeah and um and if you watch videos of people dropping things in some of these holes because they, they they exist other places they make the weirdest sounds you okay. drop a, a beer bottle, the echoes it, just, like, it all of a sudden starts to sound like lasers that's like, cool ding 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 yeah, like, cool. stuff like that So uh, yeah, sorry. So uh, next, I have my my last um, abandoned mark here, and then I have one guy I wanted to mention just because he he reminded me of all these abandoned vehicles and things. But this one is the abandoned tank yard of Ukraine, going back to Ukraine once again. Hot, hidden away in a small town in eastern Ukraine, about twenty miles from the Russian border. Again, in the former Soviet Union, this would be part of the Soviet Union, so they would put this shit there. Uh, lies a yard full of Russian tanks. During the height of the Soviet Union, they used it as a storage facility and a repair facility for all of their uh, their tanks on that part of the world. And as of right now, there is about 400 decommissioned tanks in the location just sitting there, just hanging the fuck out. 
Uh, the tank graveyard is dotted with armed guards and is not open to the public. Even the location is not listed on uh, public maps and things. So they don't want people going around and fucking with all these tanks that used to be. So they're not live. They don't have live ammunition in them, but they're just 400 uh, previously used Russian tanks. I think most of them, it says, are uh, T-72 tanks. So they're made uh, after uh, World War II there. But they made a ton of them. But thanks to some ballsy, insane, uh, speaking of the wherewithal of people who live in this part of the world, some 18-year-old kid went in there with his phone and took a bunch of pictures of it, the area. So we'll put some of those up for the podcast just to take a look. So it's in all different degrees of decomposition. Some of them are fully formed tanks. Some of them are just scrap parts all over the place. But it's just this massive facility. So even though they do have armed guards at the location, it's just such a large place that it'd be tough to really spot people sneaking in and out of there unless you're, you know, on high alert. But I'm sure these guys are just hanging out there and it's not a super secure location, but I still wouldn't want to get shot just checking out old tanks. But I thought that was really cool because when the uh, the Soviet Union fell one more time, um, they now it was in Ukraine and the whole facility was in Ukraine. So they could have started using it for themselves and using all these tanks, but it just cost so much money to maintain. And they were broker than a joke after leaving the Soviet Union. So they decided just scrap the whole thing. We're not going to utilize it. We don't want anyone using it against us. So tank those tanks. And they still remain there now for about 400 uh, decommissioned Soviet tanks sitting there in the Ukraine if you could find them. Let's wrap it up, kids. So I think the, to wrap this all up, it's just got to be mentioned. You know, where I'm going with this. Gorillas, right? We haven't mentioned them yet. <laughs> I'd say some shit. I'm saying some shit. We got gorillas. Hell yeah. No, we don't have gorillas going on right now. What do we have? We do have something called the elephant foot. Oh, the elephant foot. I, yeah. How it's could I come forget? up before, my friend? It has. It has during our uh, our atomic age doomsday talk. I think we talked about it during the, the Sun in a Box episode. Sun in a Box, my friend. Sun in a Box. You're talking about Pripyat, another Ukrainian spot? Uh, Pripyat specifically was on my first topic, but you can't talk about Pripyat if you didn't talk about why it was there. Pripyat, it was a town for, what, 30,000 people or something? It's pretty big, maybe 15. Was, Um, being the the operative word there. Well, I mean, it is still. um, It's there. Um, (laughs) It isn't there. Yeah, yeah, it's still there. Just uh, no one's Uh, there anymore. Chernobyl blew up in 1986, and uh, there's a town that was built around it to house the workers. Chernobyl. um, and that town was called Pripyat. And Chernobyl, as we mentioned before, nuclear power plants, big giant cover-up. Uh, but in Sweden, they had detectors in the air that said something blew up somewhere, and we think it's Chernobyl because they're not telling us. They literally mm-hmm. have things in their windows that like pick up on background radiation or, or particles nuts. or something. And um, yeah, so uh, there's, again, no gorillas here but uh, about the size of a gorilla is uh, something called the elephant foot and it's a big giant solidified molten puddle of uh 
lead radioactive metals yeah that just yeah you know like melted together radioactive super heat. um it's it's so uh yeah we'll bring up the picture of it we have it from the last podcast we did about it but it's just it's so difficult to even get a photo of it because of the amount of radiation coming off of it even exactly yeah exactly yeah because yeah the, the photos look like they're all being like dunked underwater because the amount of radiation in the it's proximity crazy. to it is so crazy that you can't even get pictures of it it's just yeah. so cool and that, uh, we talked about it in the past, but yeah, the whole area is just uh, uninhabitable and will be for thousands and thousands of years in the future. It's the abandoned city. That's probably our biggest abandoned thing. Yeah, the elephant foot in particular, but the entire city is abandoned. Unlike these small villages that got left behind when whaling went away or when the Cold War uh, lapsed, it's just this haunted city that um, is only inhabited by wildlife now because it's just too dangerous and radioactive to still be inhabited yeah the blue dogs of chernobyl are real um and uh it's it's crazy and in, in in pripyat they've got everything you could ever imagine swimming pools amusing parks like ferris wheels famously yeah. ferris wheels um dolls a lot of dolls a lot of schools yeah. full of dolls Schools, homes <laughs> yeah dolls everywhere creepy um, old kid stuff <laughs> old kid shit from the 80s that's terrifying um that's now radioactive makes uh, for a great horror movie footage and, um, and stuff if you want now i believe one of the airlines um now will fly you over it if you are too oh, uh scared to fun. go there and sneak in um you can get an airline that will specifically detour out of its path to go fly over chernobyl um, fun. you can pay money to do that now i hope that the bottom of that plane is lead line but i feel like that would be kind of uh yeah i think it's fine um inhibition for uh, actually wanting to fly up that that high yeah yeah the airplanes don't like weight. <laughs> no, you wouldn't want to add a bunch of lead on the plane. No, definitely not. Get the lead out. Yeah, so that's uh, yeah, prep yet. Um, you, uh, I, I think they're allowing people sort of in there now. It's like a weird. Um, you can you can go to like the outskirts and stuff, and they have they. I mean, there's like tours and things that'll still bring you around there. And they, yeah. you know, they bring the Geiger counters around and make sure there's different pockets of radiation, stuff like that. You still yep. couldn't pay me to go do that. Fuck that. There's just way too many cool things, not only on the planet, but on this list, I would rather see before going to Chernobyl. I've, I've seen enough of footage about it. I don't need to go there and see it in person. I'd rather go see the uh, the Caspian Sea Monster or the, uh, the tank graveyard than go to the fucking Chernobyl disaster area. I can't say I wouldn't go, especially if they're telling you that it's safe like there's yeah just like they told all the people who lived there that week that oh, fucking geez. russian government uh, trust yeah. them fuck that we only know about it now because we had to uncover it over the past three decades they were hiding all the information about it from their own people never mind the american government i'm, I'm sure it's not as dangerous as it was initially but i still wouldn't take their fucking word for it yeah no i hear you that but you know you're carrying stuff and you look at the rote and engines it's not through round again it's fifteen thousand. Rotgens, Rotgens. They're like Rotgens or something like that. Uh, R O E N T G E N S. Rotgens. That's how uh, what's his face says it in the show Chernobyl. He goes Rotgens. What about radiation? Obviously, down here is nothing but in the reactor building. I'm being told, three point six Rotgen per hour. And. Uh, yeah, so I think you're if you're exposed for just not a lot of time, and you obviously you can't go into the old. Uh, they built this structure around it, um, so you can't go inside of the old power plant. Right, which makes sense. It, so. it, how is it's like a containment structure? But I was wrong. Um, some facts about uh, from January first, nineteen eighty six, before it blew up. 
there was 49,400 people living wow, it's even more in Pripyat, people. and the average age was 26. Um, it, oh, thro- scattered across 13,000 apartments in 160 apartment blocks, um, 15 kindergartens, uh, five secondary schools, one hospital that could only count for 410 patients, which sounds like three ICU beds or something like that. Sure, got overwhelmed within the first two hours of the disaster never mind the the subsequent month two months three months oh yeah uh yeah for real um and then 25 stores and malls 27 cafes um 10 warehouses that could hold 4400 tons of gold oh it's goods um (laughs) or uranium if you got uranium yeah but there just wasn't a whole lot there was like you know uh cinema arts stuff uh, 10 gyms, 10 shooting galleries. There we go. Three indoor swimming pools, two stadiums, one park, 35 playgrounds. Uh, two stadiums list- and one hospital, kind of a shitty ratio there, I think, even without the disaster happening. I think you should have at least as many hospitals as you do sporting arenas just for the safety of the people in your community. That's I just think me. so too. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, but uh, you shouldn't have three football stadiums and one hospital is a bad ratio. Well, how I mean, you like give a shit about people who live in your area. <laughs> Well, and like I said, based off what I'm reading, I can't totally tell, but it sounds like it has I was at three clinics. So it has one hospital and then like three primary care facilities. Oh, gotcha. But so like if you that hospital this. has 410. That's beds, so um, tiny. A small percentage of that will be ICU. Like there'll be like 10 ICU beds or something. And you know that every single one of those were sucked up immediately um, once the burns decided to eat away the flesh um, and kill those people in the most horrific way to die on earth absolutely off, uh, your skin falls off and then never mind the the following months and then all the people who had children following the disaster who had all kinds of genetic disorders and it's just yeah. upwards of more people than even lived in that city were affected by the disaster for years and years afterwards yeah and downwind from the city in other countries i mean it affected everyone. absolutely yeah i mean we've talked about it during the sun in the box episode but i mean nuclear radiation is just the, the worst Not shit good. And it's, it's the worst shit that humans are uh, really capable of just because of the fact that it's so widespread, the suffering, and it's so everlasting. It's it's really is opening up Pandora's box. You can't fucking get it closed. And every time something like that happens, not only is it, like we said, it's far-reaching effects, it's unstoppable effects. This is going to be mm-hmm. 10,000 years before you're even going to be able to walk towards that facility and anything less than a complete radiation suit, and you'll still never be able to have kids again after that it's just crazy how long lasting the effects are crazy town it's nuts oh thanks so so the last thing i want to talk about was uh, also had to do with the end of the soviet union and it's the first person that came to mind when i thought of all these abandoned vehicles that go how the fuck did they leave all this shit everywhere we got cargo planes we got space shuttles left around we have submarines left in fields how the hell do they have all this extra shit after the fall of the ussr and that's just the issue not only was the economy busted they had a ton of metal vehicles that they had left over with. And what are you going to do? Fucking sell them if you can. Obviously, they're super dangerous vehicles to be dealing out in the world. But not only does the country of Russia have the shit left over, all these smaller states have. We're talking about people in Belarus and Ukraine with no money. They get fucking 400 tanks over there trying to make a buck pretty quick. So that brought up Ludwig Feinberg, a.k.a. Tarzan was his nickname. Now, he's a Ukrainian man who left the Soviet Union for <laughs> yes. Israel. You know who this guy I is? didn't even think you were going to go here. I had I to, exactly I, I had who to Tarzan think. Tarzan is. <laughs> so, yeah. 
So he left the Soviet Union for Israel in the 80s. This is still during the height of the Cold War in the Soviet Union. He moved to the United States after the fall of the Soviet Union and became a huge drug kingpin for the Colombian cartel. So he was super intricately connected there. Had to do with all kinds of thing about organized crime, whatever it is. He was fucking involved with it. That, that was his deal. So he comes up with this bright idea that sounds like a great idea for a guy who's super coked up and a millionaire. And he decides to go back to the Soviet Union and try to purchase a submarine so that he can <laughs> like not like a, a mili- yeah, a military grade Soviet diesel submarine that you would yeah. use in warfare yeah. against America. As torpedoes. Just- and, and the only question they asked him was, do you want it with torpedo or with <laughs> Exactly. Do That's- you want it armed or not armed? That was what they, they, they were going to load it up with. That, that was the answer. The response was, do you want one with torpedoes or one without torpedoes? Yeah. So they're going to sell him a fucking diesel sub uh, that was still functional. He also said when he when he went there that uh, they, they offered him a helicopter for $500. So he bought 10 of them. $500 for a Soviet helicopter. <laughs> bought 10. <laughs> to have that money must be so funny. <laughs> Like, uh, all the us dollar worth a lot of that especially uh, yeah. when you have all this ten, leftover shit 10 military helicopters helicopter. military helicopters you five know. grand you can get 10 helicopters yeah i'll take that's the, that's the fall of the soviet union that's the whole fucking podcast man so anyways he unfortunately uh was being tracked by the dea and uh american government the whole time so he actually didn't end up being able to follow through with that transaction <laughs> even but though it was a great idea imagine if he did imagine if he did we would have had a soviet sub coming up much like the stories in the past but this one's full of fucking cocaine and hookers that's yeah. what i'm talking about yeah. so uh he's currently in uh jail in panama he was uh found on guilty of charges for smuggling and racketeering and pimping and that's tarzan yeah he definitely liked his strippers and prostitutes so that's a fact sure did. i watched that up that show mm-hmm. um, and uh yeah the, the 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 prostitutes the drugs the fights with the people the fbi agents yeah like, if you want to check it out um, they made like, a they made a they documentary him, called they, no, they knew Project Odessa, so well yeah. that there was no like it just he's like it just happened to be the case that now i can buy a sub like a diesel electric legit like like narco war machine thing um in south america you know they use these like they look like fucking steel pipes that somehow they made into submarines and they're pretty cool but they're not yeah those are the janky ass built at home ones yeah Yeah. that the russians were using at the prime of the cold war to yeah these things costed millions and millions of dollars to develop and then build and operate and they were selling to this guy to fucking smuggle cocaine (laughs) into the united states so and they were gonna give him it with the fucking missiles and torpedoes and everything else too it's great (laughs) yeah it's the the, the radar still works looking for red october there you go is he dead yet? Yeah, he is, right? He, I think he died just this last year, yeah. Okay, yeah, just checking. Sean Connery, for those who don't understand Joe's reference. <laughs> Sean Connery died last year. He was in the hunt for an October. That's great. <laughs> uh, it's funny. I think that's... It's a Russian accent. It's not an accent. It's just, just like a Scottish accent. Maybe. But when you're, when you're a Russian submarine commander and you're Sean Connery at the same time, you don't have to have Russian accent. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that's the uh, that's Russia for you, baby. Das Vidanya, everybody. That's the Dylan and Joe basement podcast. We're your hosts, Basement Dylan. 
Comrade Joseph. Comrade Joseph. That's for Daniel Spacey, but for listening to the podcast. you want to drive half a day out of any way of anything there you can be more than welcome to see that and i would suggest going on the time of the year that you can see the northern lights because that's going to be uh what would be actually be worth going to this is going to be not as impressive as that but it's still there if you want to see a bunch of old so much fucking shit about the ship graveyard (laughs) i'm just i'm sorry (laughs) it is cool it is not that great the northern lights are better well i'm just saying if you're going to drive for 12 hours out of your way strapped on Great success. Great success. Very, very nice. Very nice. Very big. <laughs> I don't even know. Like, the soccer ball has a certain point that's just around. Come on, Dylan. This isn't rocket science. What don't you get about it? <laughs> that brain surgery. <laughs> and guess why they drilled it? Uh, they're trying to, to steal the core of the earth and using some kind of super weapon. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, they were trying to uh, drill down to America to, to build a drop nuclear bombs. Yeah, yeah, they drop it from the bottom. They'll never see it coming. They'll be watching the skies, yeah, but we comes up, come from underneath. Ground. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> comes out of the ground. Yeah, the mole people are going to bomb me. I wouldn't put it past them to design something like that, honestly. It sounds crazy, but so does everything else. It makes sense. What's going on, fans of the Dylan Joe Basement Podcast? That's right, we got a new sponsor, the best sponsor in town, the best beer in town, the best beer of all time. We have Wormtown's own, the Hoppy. Whenever I'm sitting by my porch, taking my nice new kayak out on the Assabit River, I listen to the sounds of gunshots <laughs> ringing in the, into the ocean mist, to the riverside, and I have to think to myself, don't worry. Why am I worried? I should be hopping. 